In this episode of the podcast, I get to sit down with Valerie Jardin, the street photographer. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. My good friend, Valerie Jardin, is on the show. She's a street photographer. She's an educator. She's an author. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's all these things. <laughs> and she somehow manages to keep all these plates spinning and keep a smile on her face. Uh, we're going to dive into where in the world is Valerie, what she's up to. We may squeeze in some street photography conversation in there. But this is more about two friends catching up after we haven't had a conversation in many, many months. Valerie, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? <laughs> Bonjour. Well, nice to see you. It's been so long. It's actually been too long since we've seen each other in person. I think you do for another trip to Paris or something, Frederick. I, you know what, um, <laughs> on my list for 23, my non-negotiable list for 2023 is travel. Uh, Paris could very easily find itself on that list. Right now, right now, Iceland Oh, outside nice. of the U.S., Iceland, mm -hmm. Tokyo, and Spain are on the list. I could very easily add Paris to that. When are you going? When are you doing a workshop in Paris again? Um, well, January, May, and October. That so, would probably be um, May or October. Definitely not January. But uh, you'll love Iceland and you'll love Spain. Haven't been to to Japan, but um, that's on my list as well. So you'll yeah. you'll have a blast. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you also do workshops in Normandy as well, right? Oh, yes. That's my, I, that, that is very special to me. That's the workshop that's all inclusive. You get picked up in Paris. It's all luxury, five-star accommodation, beachfront for a week. And uh, yeah, it's a trip of a lifetime. I only do that once a year uh, in September, but it's always very, very special. And I have people Ugh. coming from all over the world on that one. And, and it's the only workshop where I have three spots for non photographers too and uh, it's always a really fun experience so yeah that one is special it's home yeah yeah i know you have a, a home there so you know just sort of off branching off of that before we started recording um and at the beginning you know i sort of rattled off the list of things that you're doing right so podcast podcaster was on that list so you've paused the podcast but author workshop leader you know, photographer, you're an accomplished street photographer, you're a, a Fuji sponsored photographer, I forget what they call those, you know, the people that are sponsored. Photographer, by. although that we're still photographers, but we're ex photographers. X, <laughs> X, not EX, but X, right? X, X photographer. That's right. Uh, but you have so much going on and you do it all exceedingly well. What, what's the secret? What's the secret to, keep it, to doing all this stuff? It, I work well under pressure and, mm. you know, when you're on a plane every two, three weeks on an international flight, you just, you just have to get organized. And, uh, although I, I think I learned a lot during the pandemic where actually I had to stop for a year and a half, um, of, uh, I stopped the workshops for a year and a half, like everybody else had to, um, I realized that maybe 14 workshops in a year was a bit, too, was four too many. So now I'm trying to keep it at 10. So, yeah. uh, to just, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of wear and tear, you know, all the, the, the time I, I I'm, I'm on a plane more than most pilots at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt like maybe I just, I need to, uh, to spend a little bit more time, 
too subtle in between and not always living out of a suitcase. So, um, so it's been good. I, I started again, um, well, almost two years ago now again, and the workshops and uh, at a different pace. Uh, although it's it feels like I'm always on a plane. I think there is only one month in the year that I don't fly. Uh, it's it's been a, a different different pace, and um, I enjoy it more. I, I seriously, this was my 10 year anniversary, 2022. It's 10 year anniversary of of teaching workshops and doing mm -hmm. that almost exclusively for my business. And it was my best year. I just loved it the most of all the years I've been doing this. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like I did something right. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I remember when you started and you, you it seems yeah. like you've been successful from the start, right? A lot of photographers have, have touched on workshops and maybe run mm -hmm. one or two and then they don't do anymore or something, but you're, you've been consistent and over like the last decade and as you and I talked before you're like a lot of the people that come to your workshops are repeat right mm -hmm. so it's like a family yeah. that like a family reunion every workshop it's like it how, how do you build that what's the secret give the secret See, to I don't Valerie's know. I, if there was a secret I would have written the book about it and I'd be yeah. rich because yeah. everybody wants to know but there really is no secret no there is no competition in this business although a lot of people think it's a very competitive business no there is no competition there are plenty of people who do workshops in Paris and who don't get repeat customers people keep coming back I'm just doing it the way I would want it to be if I was a customer and um, and I'm having fun. I, if there is a secret, that would be it. I yeah. I guess um, just uh, doing it because you love it. That's something you really have to love. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a people job before it's a photography job anyways. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you have 10, 10 customers, 10 for photographers with you for uh, a weekend or a week. And uh, you have to wear many hats and, um, and you're not there for your own photography. You you do that before or after, but during, yeah, you'll get a shot or two during the during the workshop time because you have to to do demos and and people want to see you to see how you do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, so I'm out there with my clients all day long, and you know you were on a workshop with me, but um, but you know it i give them the shots <laughs> and so yeah. it's really about wanting to share your passion and your vision and your knowledge more than it is about photography so because i mean i, I get my best shots when i'm by myself obviously mm -hmm. not when not when i'm teaching and so it it's i think a lot of people um fail at it because they they get into it with the wrong perception yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the workshop that I you invited me to join you on, thank you again for that, was in Paris. And I remember the one of the takeaways from that workshop was the and all the workshop attendees were talking about this as well. Like, what is the power source that powers Valerie? Like what is <laughs> <laughs> Because you, like me, you know, I consider myself fit, you know, and in shape. And, but even I was like, okay, all right, all right. Eiffel Tower, right behind you. <laughs> no, it is funny. I, I cannot feel, I never feel tired. I could seriously, seriously walk forever. I, I've never felt tired. Uh, and, and on a workshop, you know, when, when we go from point A to point B, once we had an area of interest, then I have everybody's, you know, go in different directions. I, 
I, t I give them uh, I give them pointers, then I do one on one with them. So I do like it would be actually fun to see. And I have seen it actually my the Google, uh, the the map of what I do in a day from mm -hmm. out of space, it probably looks really silly because <laughs> I'm, I'm zigzagging and going back and forth. And, you know, and, um, and so I usually end up with twice as many miles and, uh, than the rest of the group because I'm always going back and forth. And, uh, but I love it. I love it. And when you love it, you don't count, you know, when you love it, it's like, it's the best thing ever. You don't want to so. stop. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. You yeah. know, for the oh. for the folks in the in the audience that aren't that aren't familiar with you, Valerie, and your genre, which is street photography, you have a uh, what I would call a unique in the industry sort of perspective on gear, or lack thereof, lack right? Thereof. So, so you're you're not the photographer with the Charlie Brown backpack on, <laughs> full of like four lenses and strobes and a tripod hanging out the side and all these things. What, what do you take out there with you to let, let Just, people know? I, I've only shot with the X100 camera for nine years now. And um, I they have yet to make a camera that I'm going to like better than this one. And so that's all I take. My camera, I don't even own a camera bag anymore because I never use them. And um, just a couple extra batteries. And and the it's really, um, that's all I need. That's all anybody needs. I mean, I went to Iceland with that camera. So... <laughs> Wow. Dare you, yes. dare you to limit yourself to one camera, one lens for Iceland and not a happen. zoom lens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's a good point. I say it ain't going to have to say it flippantly, but the, the issue is like for me, and I would guess a lot of other photographers is if you're going to some place where you figure, where you feel like it's a once in a lifetime or at least a few times in a lifetime opportunity, the knee jerk reaction is to, is to be prepared, right? Preparedness. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to Iceland. Okay, I need a wide because I've seen these shots of blue icebergs and I need to get that shot. And what if I want a long exposure to smooth that water out? Okay, I need a tripod to go with that. Oh, volcanoes. That might be far away. I need 7200 for that. Absolutely. Oh, what if I want to do some model shots? Oh, I need my 85 for sure. Then you need the batteries and the charger. Oh, aerials. I can't not shoot aerials out there. I need a drone and all the stuff that goes... <laughs> Right. So that those are the, the, the thoughts that are swirling in someone's head like mine. How do you like not have those thoughts as a photographer when you go there? Don't you ever get in the feeling like, oh, if I had only brought a super wide lens, I could do this thing. You don't have no, those thoughts. I did at first. I'm mean, actually talking about Iceland. That was my that that moment where I knew this i can sell everything else i own and and i went to iceland i had my i still had my canon 5d mark ii i had you know the 24 to 70 the 70 to 200 everything was ready to get on the plane i had just received my first my first x100 um and i didn't know it well yet and so i thought well I'll definitely bring it but i had the backpack ready and at the last minute i mean uber was in the driveway and I left the backpack behind and I just grabbed this camera. And uh, yes, I and I actually I, I remember I did a video about this where, yes, there are times where it's like, yeah, those horses are a little far. I wish I had my long lens. But you know what? You just make it work. And it was the most liberating trip. It went uh, to Iceland and the rest of the time to France for several weeks. And I think we hit another country that year. And it was the most liberating, the most fun I ever had 
on a tr on a vacation. And that was it. When I came back, I sold everything and I just kept this camera. So. Wow. So when when are you going to drop that camera and just bring your phone? Because phones are pretty damn good these days. I know. I, yeah. You know? <laughs> the thing is, I never have the latest phone. I, That's I keep true. My phone. Yeah. I, I don't even know what version I have, but uh, and, and I use it all the time. Like I do stories on Instagram. Like it's so pretty right now. It's snowing. And so I do that with the phone. But um, yeah, I I mean, I would use my phone if if my camera failed. No problem. But I just like my camera. It's just part of me. So I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm happy with that. I love it. I love it. See, it's interesting when, when, when I speak to photographers like you, and when I say that, when I say like you, the minimalist photographers mm -hmm. that aren't gear obsessed, right? So gear obsessed photographers are, and I have a little bit in there, you know, of me in there as well, because I like gear. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a nerd in that respect. But I look at the, the people that aren't afflicted by that gear acquisition syndrome disease and with a lot of respect, you know, A, especially the people that are shooting with old beat up gear and processing on not the latest computer using an outdated version of Photoshop or Lightroom and don't even care. They're just like, the images that they produce are exponentially better than somebody that has all the gear and all the latest software and all the things that I feel like those artists are more true artists because it's about the vision of what they're trying to create versus looking good, getting there or having the latest <laughs> whiz bang feature and all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true in a sense. Um, yeah. A lot of photographers get into photography because of the gear too, you know, and then they discover a passion for the art. Um, and, um, or people one day realize like, yeah, I mean, all this great gear, you know, all this, the new gear is not making me a better photographer unless the new gear gets you out the door more. And that's the only way a new camera will make you a better photographer if you, if you use it more than the old one. And so, mm -hmm. so that's fine. You know, there are people who, who want, uh, who feel really good when they have that little uh, red dot on their camera. And that's fine. You know, if you have the money and, and, uh, and you're, you know, that, the camera is not going to make a difference, but it makes you feel good and it makes you want to be out there making pictures, then yeah, get the new camera. Uh, for me, really, it would be so counterproductive. I never want to try new gear. Uh, Fujifilm actually, they, they did send me some some gear to to beta test uh, in the past. And, um, and I said, now, unless it's the X100, six, maybe after this one, uh, yeah. I don't even want to beta test anything. I don't, I don't like trying new gear. I, it, it's, uh, it's counterproductive to my, to my, um, creativity because I need to learn something new and it's, it's counter, it's not intuitive. Like this one is, I forget I have it in my hand and it becomes an extension of my vision and anything new, it would take a while to do that. So, um, I'm only interested in one camera. So. Yeah, I love it. I <laughs> Probably love not it. good for the industry. Although right no. now nobody can even get a hold of this camera. So uh, I don't even think you can order it at the moment. It's completely out. And a lot of yeah. people want it, but it's it's completely I wanted that camera. I told you a long time ago that not getting that camera probably changed the trajectory of how I feel about gear because I, I was lusting after that <laughs> that camera. I couldn't find it anywhere. This was years and years ago, yeah. right? I couldn't yeah. find it anywhere. 
um, drove to San Francisco, which is about an hour from my house, and went to whatever camera store was there. I forget at the time, Sammy's or something. We went in there thinking they would have it, right? They had all the cameras, and they didn't have it. They did not have it. Like, we we should get some in later next month or whatever. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. what do you have? And they showed me some food or some um, Panasonic cameras. So I'm like, eh. Okay, I'll take one of those, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm an ambassador for Panasonic. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how things flow and the different ways that people think about gear, Mm -hmm. whether it's minimalist like you or, you know, I just love this camera. It's muscle memory. I'm just going to use it because it's all about the, I'm going to work on improving my photography, Mm -hmm. not improving my kit, right? So that's that's really interesting. You know, the other side of this, one of the other topics I wanted to broach with you is the the publishing industry. Before we started talking, you mentioned that you had, over the years, you had published 16 books? Um, yes. Some with, ebooks, with some e-books, physical books. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're in, a, a you're in an ideal things. position. You're in an ideal position to answer the question, um, which I know publishers, you know, have, have their own opinions on. But is it still viable to, to write a physical a physical book, not the ebook, like a physical book and go through the whole process of writing that book, considering how fast technology is moving. My knee jerk yeah. reaction to that is no. Uh, although I love physical books, right? I love them, mm-hmm. but most of them are outdated if they're not on some, you know, evergreen topic like psychology or posing or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, I think for the photographer, um, being published by a reputable publisher is is uh, adds credibility. You know, if you're teaching, if you're um, if you want to um, get your name out there, I think it it would help. Although no publisher will publish you unless you're already known and your work is selling. So it's kind of a vicious circle because the publisher totally relies on you to sell the book, by the way, yeah. uh, and your and your um, social media following. So, uh, but there is something to be said to, to be published. And I was published by two different publishers and they were two different experiences. And it was fine, you know, and then you have a, a strict deadline, which is what I liked. And I, I'm a deadline person. Um, and so if I, if then when I write eBooks, um, I have to actually ask a friend to give me a deadline and I stick to that deadline. I can't yeah. give myself a deadline that easily because I know I can, <laughs> I can change it too easily. So I usually have a friend that I said, okay, you give me a deadline. You know, I can do it within three months, two months. So give me a date and I will stick to that date. Um, so it's harder to, to, to do it yourself because of that. You don't have the deadline of the publisher that said, okay, we need the, we signed the contract. We need the book in three months or six months. But uh, other than that, yeah, I, although I write eBooks, I don't read them. I like, I need a physical book. So mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Uh, and then for fine art, I pub- I, I self-published two books of just photography, no no text at all, just photography. And the first one was a great experience because it was just beautiful right away. They got the black and white just right, at, and I didn't realize how difficult it was to actually print 
black and white uh, for, uh, you know, in a, in a book and to do it right. The second one was a total disaster and I, it had to be redone and redone. And I said, I was going to do one a year and I, it's like, it's been what, three years. I'm like, nope, not. And I have several <laughs> in the works. I could, I could send a, a one to a publisher or to a printer tomorrow but it's like no i don't want to go through that experience and and the thing is the book was already sold before it was printed and so i had no other option but to have it you know to fight with the the printer and say no that is not right it's too green it's too purple it's like can't you get black and white right you know it was mm. so frustrating when the first one was so beautiful and they could not do it again and and the same publisher the same printer sorry so right it's the quest for the 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 right printer for the job and it's such a headache however you you have full control you have full full creative control whereas when you have your book published by a publisher you have no control over the title the cover i mean it's it's kind of a battle to take control over a little bit and and i like to have control i don't want uh recognizable faces for example on a cover of a book um so i I, I was really um, determined to get a little control over that, but you know, even the title, you don't, you don't control that. So yeah. you have to be able to let go of a lot of things, and that's not always very pleasant. What about the economics of of the print or hard copy book versus the digital? Does one make more money than the other because there are no um, like, printing costs involved? Uh, well, if you self-publish eBooks, yeah, that's pretty much full profit. Um, right. But if for uh, from the publisher, I mean, you get a, a very small percentage. You have to sell a lot of copies. <laughs> Yeah. copies it's more make. about the cachet of having that book right exactly and, yeah. yeah you don't do it yeah you don't publish a photography book for the money you publish it uh for you know for the legacy and having mm -hmm. uh your work published by a, a reputable publisher uh yeah it i mean i was very fortunate it, this one, the last one with Rocky Nook made number one on amazon right away when it came out within a few months it was translated and several languages so it's doing really really well uh, and it continues to sell well but um a lot of people even if you get an advance and i remember i got an advance for my first book which i was shocked because i didn't re i didn't even realize there was such still such a thing as getting an advance before you write a book especially when you know it was your first was my first book i got an advance and then i talked with another guy who had been published by the same publisher and he said oh yeah i published with them five years ago i finally got my first check i'm like what do you mean your first check it's been five years I said well yeah above the advance i'm like yeah. really <laughs> so it's like <laughs> oh my gosh this is kind of crazy uh -huh. and uh thankfully i mine sold really well and and i I went over the advance within six months, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a, you learn a lot. I mean, no matter what, it's worth doing for everything you will learn in the process. So whether you decide to do it again or not, then, you know, it's a good learning experience. And the, the book that you're talking about was this one, right? Street Photography Assignments? Yeah, that's the latest one with Rocky Nook. Yeah. And so yeah. that one has been translated in German. It was like uh, one of the the Depunkt uh, in Germany said that was one of their best sellers ever. Um, and Germany, I mean, it's a pretty small market since most of the German photographers probably already had their copy in English. They, most people speak English. Uh, then it was translated in German, which, you know, there's not a lot of need for German books outside of Germany. So, yeah. but they say it's doing really well. And then uh, translated into Italian. Yeah. So been good.
Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've written one. I did a book with a long, long time ago. It was like twenty plus years ago, uh, with Peach Pit at the time on mobile <laughs> technology. I wrote that thing on, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember the process was. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how hard can it be? I, I love yeah. writing. I'm a decent writer. Oh, my God. Even with, uh, you, you remember Carrie Norsworthy? She was my editor at the time. Oh, I don't know if she's okay. still. Yeah, so she's my editor. I had a great editor. This was this was the same editor that helped Scott Kelby with all the books that he wrote, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm set. This is going to be great. Yeah. Problem was, I was working at Apple at the time. And, and I had that Apple schedule. So... Mm-hmm best laid plans right i'm gonna work full time and have family and oh i'm gonna squeeze in writing on this book (laughs) and with the deadlines looming and it was just like stressful right to get this thing done which turned me off to like books (laughs) yeah Uh, so ebooks are great and they don't have to be you know you don't have a, a word count uh and uh you have free creative control um so it's good you can really get to the point with a little ebook so yeah it, i have a lot of ebooks but they're not you know 300 pages either so um i think and then you can price them low and uh and it's passive income which i think mm-hmm. for any solo entrepreneur passive income is is so important and mm-hmm. uh and so that that's been really good. Yeah, that's been yeah, really good. yeah. But the passive income comes if you have an audience to promote it to. Part of the part yeah. of the thing that publishers bring is distribution, and you're going to be in this bookstore and all the nine, the, all the whole nine yards. With eBooks, the onus is on you to get the word yeah. out and for infrastructure. You know, how are you going to serve up the book? How are you going to take money for the book? You know, all yeah. all oh, that. And- Everything, you know, you have to, I, I use a service that uh, takes care of the the value added tax for foreign sales and everything. Because mm-hmm. if you do it yourself, you have to figure all that out. <laughs> it's like, no, I can't do that. So I pay a, 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 a monthly service that is uh, the ebook publisher. They take their cut and then uh, and then the rest of the money is put into my account when it's money while you sleep so that's that's really good but yeah you need to uh you need to get some of the work done by people who know who they're, what they're doing because right. uh otherwise it just becomes it it becomes uh, uh, a major headache especially if you don't like numbers like me so yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I want to switch gears before we end this i want to talk about photography imagine that street mm-hmm. photography um You've been shooting for quite a while, right? And teaching and writing, like we just talked about, on the the topic of street photography and that whole genre and the psychology of it and the technique and all the things. Over, you know, over the years, has it changed? Have you seen any changes in street photography? Like in portrait photography, lighting techniques and, you know, the different, the zeitgeist of these different Mm -hmm. genres change over time. Does the same thing happen in street or is there a popular Um, kind of street? Well, there is always the popular thing, but what I teach people, I teach people to see, first of all. So, um, and to find their their true vision, not to shoot for the likes, because if you shoot for the likes, then you'll be shooting silhouettes and and dramatic light all the time because that's what's popular on social media uh but yes and that's not even that difficult to do so if that's your thing you can shoot that but there's so much more thing that people should explore um like 
um, I, I've actually I'm actually working on a winter project that's all about intention. I can never say that intentional camera movement, mm-hmm. where I shoot at one eighth of a second and I move the camera, and it's all snow scenes. So people in the snow that I that's I started two three weeks ago, and I'm having a blast. It's letting go of everything you've learned, you know. But it's so much more difficult than than photographing a uh, a properly exposed photograph uh, because you have to not only, you still need the same composition, compositional skills and uh, and story, but then you have to get the right movement at the right time to get just enough blur uh, to get that mood. And so it's, there is always a way to find something fun and different. So uh, so I help photographers get outside of that box of what they think street photography is, because for some people, it's really intimidating because they think, oh, it's getting really close to people and and photographing uh, re- being in people's faces. No, that's just one way to do it and not the way I would encourage people to do it, actually, because if that's all we did, <laughs> that would be awful for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you can do some amazing silhouettes one day, but other days you may want to capture an expression. And so it's it's important to be able to do it all and do it well. And that way, and, and work with abstract and, and uh, creative filters, natural filters that you find. I mean, this summer, I had so much fun working with, you know, putting a crump, uh, crumpling of pla- clear plastic bag and actually putting it in front of my lens and photographing uh, people walking by the, the water. And and everybody's like, wow, this is so cool. What lens do you use for that? I'm like, nothing. It's just say, always the same camera. And I used a plastic bag that I put in front of it to create that dreamy effect. So really experimenting and having fun. I think people forget to have fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, social media is probably a part of the problem is people uh, want to shoot for the likes and they're not shooting for themselves. And so, um, and and it takes a while to get back to that. You know, why did you pick up a camera for the, the originally for the first time? It wasn't to please people on social media because chances are you probably started before social media. So why, why? And, and trying to get back to that satisfaction of creating something different that is really you and not everything else you see on 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 uh, instagram so um and so there's so many ways to approach it uh to experiment i'm teaching an uh online um class right now where um they like the last assignment they had was um creating motion uh, in a still photographs, but not just by panning. Panning was just one of them, but cr- uh, using like three or four different techniques that I taught them. And uh, and I'm just getting the pictures for the critique session right now. And they worked hard. They had a really, it, it was not an easy, easy assignment. So uh, really trying to find new ways of seeing. And so nothing changes, uh, trends do change depending on what is popular in social mm-hmm. media, but it's so important to be just true to yourself and, yeah. and do what, what moves, you know, photograph what moves you. And uh, because you're really the only person you need to please in this. So, yeah. Do you, do you subscribe to the whole idea of, of doing self projects, you know, or creating, you know, like you said, like, like the whole idea of putting plastic in front of the lens and doing a series mm-hmm. based on that, 
is that is that a good way for photographers to kind of get inspired but but introduce constraints so that they're not um, all over the place yeah i mean i think people need to be uh, a little relaxed with projects you know like the 365 and you know that's fine but it can also be counterproductive because you need to absolutely produce something that you want to show within you know every day i think you need to um you need you need some boundaries like i i was working on a summer vibes project and it i was really sad when summer ended because it was my last summer vibe picture and it was almost every day but no pressure if i skipped a day or if i posted to the next day of that that something fun that i was um i was experiencing at the time it was mostly vacation pictures um summer pictures it it's fine so don't put too much pressure it's good to show them because i think you have uh, it gives you accountability to keep working on a series but you should always have several series i have i have several that I work on depending on my mood or where I am. Like I don't like crowds and I don't photograph crowds. So then I can, I have a series on hands. So I can, you can get really close to hands of strangers when you're in an affair or a market. So um, then I work on that series when I'm in that situation. So um, right now I'm working on this uh, winter dreaming series, which is all at um, in slow shutter speed in the snow snow is a big part of it and then finding um finding um the right movement and uh and dreamy uh snowscapes with people um thankfully everybody wears black in the snow so <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is a good thing the other day it was like there's a person wearing all black and they had a little white dog i'm like well that doesn't work i see the leash but the dog has disappeared <laughs> And then like walking the, the right ghost dog of, <laughs> the right amount of blur you know so i'm having fun with that there's as long as you have fun really uh, yeah that's that's the key and so uh i think everyone needs to to find that find their voice and yeah. and and really do what makes them happy again it, it's not a and i think if if it makes you happy and you love to share it it will show and people will most definitely respond accordingly. And if they don't, well, it doesn't take anything away from you. You know, they can move on and look at something else. So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other the other direction before I let you go is just the you know, we talk about that, which is kind of the purity side of photography. Like just, you know, being like you said, being true to yourself and taking going out there and taking pictures, not being sort of mired in the gear or the technology of it all and, and leaning more towards the artistic interpretation of whatever scene you're looking at or whatever self-project that you're adding to based on your mood, et cetera. How do you feel? I know where you, how you're going to answer this, but how do you feel about this, the latest trend that we're seeing in technology, at least of artificial intelligence or AI generated imagery or in using those AI never existed before images as part of a real piece of art or, you know, something like that, something that's that's more that's not necessarily completely human generated. How do you feel about that whole world of AI? Well, I think it's just not photography. So I'm a photographer. I'm not even interested in post processing. So <laughs> you're not going to sell me on anything else, Frederick. You know that. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> less than five seconds per picture uh, in Lightroom. The only reason I use Lightroom is because of the collection that I, I use for books and everything. So, um, so I, I make the decision before I press the shutter if it's going to be color black and white. I haven't shot a raw file in nine years. So um, I'm not about to experiment with anything else. I, I love photography for for the storytelling aspect only so um mm. and and same as you know people were doing um uh, hdr and all that stuff and it, it's all fads and when it comes down to it you know what do we respond the most to is pure photography that's yeah. the art of capturing a story um so anything else it's it's something different i mean it's great and and it's it keeps uh, I think a lot of people need new things all the time and good for them. I don't. So I don't even really have an opinion. Uh, it's not something I would ever be interested in, in trying. And uh, I'm, I'm really a purist. And uh, although I use a digital camera, I pretty much use it as if it was film. And uh, and I, I love the technology I have. But again, I never have the latest Lightroom or anything. I don't care. It does, you know, I use three sliders, so I, I don't even need Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. See, that is awesome. And that, you know, you're, you're absolutely right because the there's a whole segment of photography and photographers is very trend uh, mm -hmm. driven, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you like, yeah. you like that. That's great. Um, but there's the, like I recall over the years has been, member of the whole HDR trend yeah, yeah. everybody's doing all these crunchy sort of hdr fantastic and it's all gone now it's like it's for the most part gone it, yeah it's yeah. really it dated the those pictures it did and, yeah uh, you yeah. look at them you're like oh yeah i remember that it's mm -hmm. like you know yeah. dogs on velvet playing poker right i remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. But we all tried it we all we tried did. it because yeah. people people were really responded it, it could be you know how that that saying is you can't polish a turd but you can roll it in glitter and that's what <laughs> that was hdr and so it made any ordinary boring picture look wow because it was like nobody had ever seen anything that vibrant before and yeah. uh, so it but <laughs> I, I like that's why i like to already shoot the same i i don't like filters because on a in a body of work, it, it's like if you start using different filters and different this and different that, well, it kind of dates your picture. And it's kind of yeah. in a in a body of work. It's like, oh, well, yeah, that was the trend of using this. And oh, here is sepia tone because we had the sepia tone years, you know. Yeah. And then uh, it's not consistent. I mean, my work is consistent. My black and white is always the same black and white. And my color is it, one of two colors it's usually classic chrome or classic negative and that's it so uh, depending of the color <laughs> yeah so, yeah that's interesting pretty simple pretty yeah simple. yeah it's it's kind of like um like in cooking you can't you can't unseason a steak like if a steak is cooked <laughs> properly is gonna be uh, you know assuming that yeah. you know you're you're not vegetarian or vegan but if it's cooked properly a steak is going to be delicious on its own without much help but you start seasoning it and an a1 and salt and pepper and this and that you yeah. lose the steak and you can't take that stuff off now the steak is gone same with these yeah. you know adding filters and all these other things on top of an image especially at the point of capture right you yeah. you introduce these things into the the data that cannot be removed later as trends change 
So yeah, but yeah. I'm glad people love these things because I mean the industry needs those people, and yeah. uh, and that's <laughs> yeah. good. We need to keep <laughs> harvesting those people so that the the real photographers. <laughs> They're not gonna make money on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I, I think, I think way back when, even before you started your podcast, we we had a conversation. I think I we had made a bet or something that you would have upgraded your camera and bought something new or been seduced into some <laughs> high end mirrorless camera, or whatever. Nope, Valerie's still <laughs> shooting with the same camera, the crank on the side. <laughs> I have two of the same because I always need a backup when yeah. I travel so much, and uh, and that's it. Uh, actually, I did have I I don't even have a camera body. I have several good lenses from Fujifilm, but I don't even have a camera body to put them on anymore. So uh, I need to I need to get that because I also have some lens baby lenses that I would like to use once in a while. Oh, yeah. So yeah, um, I need to get uh, a small, just an XT thirty or something, something yeah. small and easy to use <laughs> and that's a caveat right that's a caveat I'll throw in there you brought up lens baby the lens baby uh lenses are something that you introduce at the point mm -hmm. of capture that's been baked yeah. into the data so they're awesome but that that's a whole different art form mm -hmm. right there i yeah. feel like that is a whole different if people haven't tried lens baby lenses oh yeah. they need to like that's a whole new world of photography that opens up that's that's both um it's, it's it's serendipity, right? Yeah, because it's so challenging, especially if you apply it to street photography. I mean, talk oh, about yeah. you know, I have a I have a workshop participant who's been on several workshops this uh, this last year, and she's coming on two or three more this year, and that's she only uses a lens baby, and uh, I love it. I mean, it's it's you really have to let go of of the notion of sharpness altogether because mm. nothing is ever going to be super sharp whether you you want it or not right. and uh and you know it's all manual and choose your you know where you want to tilt your your focus your your sharpest focused and it's so challenging but it's so much fun so yeah. and again that's you'll never get that satisfaction to do something like that in post-processing and you'll never have the same merit either it's mm -hmm. really the merit is in getting it in camera, not in getting it in post processing. That's a complete that that is not um, you're not a photographer if you do all this in post processing. The photographer does it in camera. It's a different set of skills, mm -hmm. and 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 I'm always blown away with the amount of time people spend on, on, on an image and what they can do, um, but. It's not photography at that point. The photography part is what you learn to capture in camera. Then after that, you're, I don't know, a post-processor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the, 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 on the lens baby side, it's, I think the, the, the positive and the negative simultaneously of, of lens baby photography is that it's not repeatable. Right. So if you take a shot and you articulate your lens in a certain way to get the shot and the lights right there and, you know, boom, you get it. You've created that instance in time that mm -hmm. is not post-processed. And chances are you probably even if you try to go back to that same spot in 10 minutes, you know, the sun has moved and everything's yeah. different. It's not repeatable. And the definition of like professional photography is being able to repeat something mm -hmm. again and again and you know create a, a, a saleable, repeatable result. But that's not 
exactly fun, right? With a lens, yeah. maybe you put that thing on there. Like you're saying, if you're doing street photography or portrait photography, even you're having fun. It's at, at oh, that absolutely. point, you're having fun. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I'm doing, you know, with just uh, ICM and, and putting fun things in front of my camera. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's that same fun. And, uh, and I, I urge people to try that, you know, just think outside the box. Uh, photography can get awfully boring if you don't innovate and find uh, new ways of seeing. So, um, yeah, so make 2023 uh, a year of new ways of seeing. So let's let's end on this one tip that you can throw out there for photographers that are interested in jumping into the genre, the street photography genre. They're not sure what to do. You know, I don't want to get people mad on the street because I took their photo of them at this coffee shop. I don't want to take pictures of people's kids and get in trouble for that. I just want to, you know, what what should the photographer that wants to start experimenting in street? What should they do first? Well, just um, stick to a focal length. Don't shoot with a zoom lens because that there's nothing creepier than that. So uh, short lens, get close or use your phone and uh, start with a, a comfort space. Uh, you may not be super close right away and that may never be you. You may never be that photographer that can be within inches of people. That's all right. You may be a more minimalist photographer. There's so many ways to approach it. Um, check out some of my work. I. I, I love it all. I mean, from getting super close to people where I literally am right over their shoulder taking a picture as if I'm seeing through their eyes and they don't even know I'm there, to a very minimalist um, uh, scene uh, where the, the human element is really tiny, but the true focal point in a, a beautiful um, architecture, for example. So, or, or even do uh, portraits uh, of strangers. There's so many ways you can do this. So just uh, just look at, at the work of, of some photographers that you like and then uh, try to get inspired and, and go out there and try, you know, mm. or get one of my books. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and not even joking. Yeah, your books are excellent. And you have a, a really unique way of teaching both at the workshops and mm -hmm. in text. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you. If people if people want to sign up for a workshop, assuming that there are still some slots available <laughs> or otherwise connect with you, what's what's the best location for them um, to go online? ValerieJardin.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N.com or ValerieJardinPhotography.com. They will both take you to the same place. Same on um, Instagram, ValerieJardin and Vero, Vero, I've been on it for just a few weeks. I don't even know how to say it. Um, that new uh, true, Vero True Social, or Vero yep. True Social. Um, that's kind of cool too. I don't know if you tried it yet, Frederick, but- um, I have not. I am it's not It's becoming a, a pretty busy uh, social media platform and it's okay. pretty cool. There's no advertising, so yeah. Yay, yay, hey, wait for that. <laughs> Okay. Well, cool. All right. We'll leave it right there. Valerie, thank you so much you. for coming on. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Have a, have a good, yeah. It sounds like you guys are going to have a white Christmas out there. We will not. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah and it's, uh, <laughs> see, I just lost all the light. It's super dark now at four o'clock. It's dark. I feel like we're living in, uh, in the Arctic circle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's still light here. And uh, we have no snow on the ground and have no, no plans to have any in California. So, at least yeah, at least at good. this elevation, at this elevation, no snow. So, oh, cool. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you, Valerie. I appreciate you. And happy Bye. holidays. 
You too. This is Twitter.